Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Tuesday, May 26th. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Hey! Hey! Jason Smith, welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with Cliff and Jason Smith. Jason, how you doing? Hey, Cliff, how are you? I am excellent, actually. I keep leaning into this mic when I can really just... Like, look, I can move the mic back here. This is the temporary mic. You can let the mic come here. Yeah. I still like it. I still feel like it gives off this, like, really rad Tron vibe to me. Like, it's got, or like, uh, (laughs) like, Last Jedi. Like, that's that's basically the Last Jedi poster. You know what, by the way? It's got a lot of uh, innuendo, this mic. So we're just going to let it go with that. I I honestly just thought, like, I want to take a clip of that and show everybody how you handled it and be like, listen, Cliff knows his way around a big red dick. (laughs) I'm glad that we've gotten that out of the way. I can't wait for the new mic that Starburns bought me to come, the Rhodes one with the popper. I'm very excited. Then we're going to finally have tomorrow the camera is going to be hooked up. So I'll have the, what is it, DLS? Is that a DSL? Yes. Yeah. No, is it uh, DLR? DLR. Because right now we've been looking at it through the webcam camera, but this baby's about to look at that thing. We're gonna see you better. You better make sure you are on point tomorrow. You're gonna, they're gonna be able to see everything, every uh, every, <laughs> every pore. pore. I'm gonna have to start wearing makeup. You'd be like in here and you'd be like, listen, man, you'd be like, listen, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put some soft focus on that thing, glistering it up just a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to show me all that stuff, <laughs> by the way. I have no idea. I just like how I said I have to start wearing makeup like I haven't been. <laughs> oh, hey, Nancy. So, wait, what did she say? My boys have the same mic. Right, black cover right here. Yeah, this is my son's mic. Of course your boys have this mic. We've been trying to get the sound right. It's been very close. We're almost there. I got the right box. Now, everything's working. The focus right was not. It just wasn't happening, Jason. Yeah, I know. Those... And to everybody who doesn't know what that is, it's just a way of plugging in like a professional microphone into a USB port for a computer. And it was just causing some pops and some clips and some electricity. And it was just okay. Bleh. So we're, I can't even listen. We're acting like it's not a big week. But aside from having Bob the Drag Queen here today, which amazing, it's your, it's, I'm not cursing as much anymore. By the way, we're going to get to that in a second. It is your birthday week. It's my birthday week. It, it is, is your birthday week. Birthday. It's officially my birthday week. It's, Technically been my birthday week since Friday, if you want to count for full seven days, but I don't. I started today and it goes till past my birthday and it goes back around till next Tuesday. At then which point um, I will past your birthday. I will just keep cycling it over and over and over till I can have an actual party. It's past um, your birthday though. We're actually going past Thursday. Oh, yeah. 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 Saying. Well, cause, cause it's kind of weird. It, it, it is a weird thing to do. Like you either have it at the beginning and you kind of guide it through and you go, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to have it for a full week beforehand. But I kind of, you know, I, I, you know, being a kid that was had most of the time my birthday was over Memorial Day weekend, which is nothing to complain about, but it did mean like we can never have a party on my week birthday, right? Because right. everybody's out of town. So we either had to have it the yeah. week after or before. I've learned to appreciate whenever the party being, being my birthday, you know, like, so if like, like if we can a party on Sunday after the fact, which we're not going to do this year, obviously, <laughs> and, and Sunday's still my birthday. I could still, I could, I still feel comfortable celebrating and, and being entitled like it's my birthday every day. Uh, yeah, but your birthday technically is Thursday. Thursday. I think okay. I was born Just on a Thursday. I think I was actually born on a Thursday too. Oh, so. you know the day of the week you were born. I well, maybe I could be off because well, no, no, I'm not because Linda Hazelberry, where is she? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does she I, know? I, she she blocked I'll have out. To think about it. I, I I'm gonna use I'm gonna use old dumb way to do this. Star okay. Wars came out the 27th <laughs> of May. So I guess maybe I was born on a Saturday. Yeah, now know a lot about because you. Star Wars came out on the twenty seventh. Jason came out on the twenty eighth. Jason. And there's never been a world where I haven't had Star Wars in it. And, I, and you're welcome. I brought it. It came with me. It was part of this summer package that Fox was building. Bring a Jason. Bring a Star Wars. <laughs> All right. So uh, we don't know. Could be a Thursday. Either way, your birthday. It's Thursday. We are celebrating. It is Jason's birthday week. If you have drinks or smoke, use them now and continue to use them all week. Yeah, your excuse is Jason's birthday. It's my birthday all the time. If you need to call in sick, if you want to let your boss know you can't be there, if you have jury duty and your summons is coming, you can use my birthday as a postponement excuse. Um, I haven't verified that with the government 
But well, Starburns um, Audio is selling uh, essential notes for uh, people who need them to get out of certain situations. Uh, you can contact uh, Jason on the side about that. Yeah. Jason, what? now, uh, did you watch anything over this long ass? I weekend? did. I, I watched a few. You know, actually, I, I kind of, you know, I tried to spend a little time in the pool. Um, How'd that go? How's the pool holding up? The pool is great. The pool is great. It's a little high on the yes, chlorine. Yes, Nancy. A little, little high on the chlorine. Uh, but you know, overall, it's not filled with but whose any fault. Is that that's well, that's mine, and so right. that but the pool's good, the pool's great, and we're learning how to make it perfect. But it's it, it made the whole that made that part good. But I did, you know, what I did was I watched a couple of like movies that were on Netflix this week. So I watched Lovebirds, Lovebirds, tell me, Camille, Ice Array. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. much like in the vein of you know, those kind of romantic comedies where like. It, there, there's ones previous to this, but the, the 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 one that came to my mind when I first saw it because they're comedians was uh, Tina Fey and Steve Carell in Date Night, where there's oh, these sure. two a couple, you know, they're having a rocky time, and then they get stuck in this weird like murder mystery adventure. So they basically their car gets hijacked, and the guy who hijacks the car runs over some dude, and then leaves them in the car and runs off, and then they're so they think they're oh. I saw the trailer for that. Like yeah. that that guy, I like that actor who got in the car. He says he's a cop. Yeah. And then he hits the guy and then he backs over him and then he and runs the, away. And the, then that joke goes on for a good little while. That back. Well, that's, <laughs> that's why I didn't watch it, by the way. That, that literally is why I didn't watch it because then they were like doing the thing with Karen where they're like, no, they're murderers. They're running away now. Her name's this. Yeah. Well, like, you know what? The, 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 there's two reasons to watch. Is it good? Watch, and tell me. Watch it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it, it it probably wouldn't have done as great in the movie theaters, but I think it's a perfect Netflix movie. Michael Showalter directed that. Um, same guy that did The Big Sick and the same guy that did What Hot American Summer and you know The State and all that fun stuff. He's very mm-hmm. funny. Um, and so there's there's a good there's a good sense of humor. There's a few really good laugh out moments. There's a few moments like oh okay, but uh, I I watched all of that. Um, and and you enjoyed it. It was worth the hour and what is it? 40 hours? Yeah. 40, yeah. Probably? Yeah. It was fine. It was, it was good. It was, it's light. It's a great, like, nobody's going to be mad uh, for, <laughs> yeah, it's mind numbing that they got like, had to watch it. Like, good. It's a good compromise movie, you know, mm-hmm. okay. like, Hey, I want to watch, I want to watch some crazy movie, you know, I like, you know, not this, but like, I want to watch Scarface. She wants to watch uh, Downton Abbey again. This is the middle. This is that middle movie. Those are some interesting examples you just picked. <laughs> Scarface <laughs> to Downton Abbey. Did that, you know, because my wife wants me to watch Downton Abbey every day. She's watched that. Se- she watches that season and then re-watches it. She, that's the only show, really, she watches that's you not reality. Smoking, smoking Hot. Who? Tuppence Middleton. Tuppence Middleton. I'll have to look, look her up. up. Look her up. Look her up. I th- she's a Downton Abbey person. Awesome. That's how I... Related. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yep, yep. I know who she right? is. Yes, she's got to be yep. going out with some like great actor guy or something. I'm sure of it. I'm, like married, I'm sure. or at least yeah, mar- yeah married to yeah, one. Someone very like you know Hallmark, not Hallmarky, uh, uh, masterpiece theatery. Yeah, somebody that yeah. that enunciates everything correctly. <laughs> yeah, and that weird accent that isn't an accent. It's like the Atlantean <laughs> accent, like uh, how Catherine O'Hara spoke in uh, in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> oh, she. I we. That's the other thing I watched. I watched uh, Catherine O'Hara's uh, episode of uh, of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, she how was, was it? Funny. She was very funny and sweet and awesome. And like my my wife and daughter were looking for different episodes. Like the, their Jeopardy contestants a lot on a couple episodes were like the supporting character. Like the 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 celebrity asked the question, but there was a Jeopardy contestant behind them, like a famous one, to help them with the answers. Uh-huh. And they really like one of the Jeopardy contestants, James Holsauer from Vegas. Uh-huh. And so they're waiting for that. And so that, uh, she did not bring that. They have Jeopardy. fans. They have actual, yeah. they're yeah. fans of actual winners of Jeopardy. That's exactly. deep, man. That's, that's deep. And by the way, I know we have Bob coming on soon. I, I just want to say, have you not seen the Mythic Quest new episode? Oh, I watched that too. We got, we'll get, let's get into that after, but that was hilarious. All the feels, all the, the awards. We'll, yeah. we'll get into it. Do we have Bob? Is Bob is yeah, we official? have Bob. Yeah, we should bring Bob on. Yep. Uh, well, then let's bring Bob on. Do you want me to do the introduction? Please do the honors. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to even put on my glasses. I wrote, I wrote a little something down. So you may know him from his show, We're Here, on HBO. You've heard of that little network, right? He's a comedian. He's an activist. He's a musician. He is the winner of season eight 
of RuPaul's Drag Race. He currently hosts the Starburns audio podcast with Monet Exchange called Sibling Rivalry. How am I doing, Jason? You're doing Ladies good. And gentlemen, Bob the Drag Queen. Bob! Oh, how are you? Look how you look. So fabulous. How you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm pretty good. I'm so jealous when I found out that Starburns sent you a micro. They sent you a microphone. I was like, "Is has Starburns been shortchanging me this whole time?" I didn't Bob, my, I had to use my Bob, own, Bob, my own uh, Yeti microphone. Bob, here. email me after this. Starburns, I got a for everybody. I hope y'all are listening to this because I found Sorry, out y'all sent Cliff. <laughs> I found that y'all sent Cliff a microphone. So Cliff, and Cliff, I've been using my my Yeti. You just got yourself ago. one. Cliff, Bob. DM me after this. I got you. I got I'm you. I'm not going to DLS our camera, too. Got, no, no, no. That's mine. I got that. You oh, know okay. who gave me that camera? Okay. Actually, it's a Who's funny that? story. Zoltan Bathory. He's the guitarist for Five Finger Death Punch. He gave it to my son to start a YouTube oh, channel. Work. Yeah. He's just a nice guy. And I'm like, nah, my kid's that's not using it. Zoltan. Nice. I'm using it. Yeah, you know, Wait, did your kid like, never start the channel? No, he never started the channel. He just decided to play Fortnite. Oh, <laughs> I was just playing Fortnite to come down here and do this. But also, I'm sorry, we disturbed. Can, your son can turn Fortnite into a YouTube channel. You know, Fortnite can be a whole career these days. It's it's unbelievable. But more importantly, I want to talk about your career because it is absolutely incredible to me that you grew up in in Georgia. Where is it Columbus? Yeah, well, I grew up all over the South. I and mean, I was born in Columbus, Georgia. I lived there for a while. Then I moved to Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, and then I moved around a lot to Corinth, Mississippi, LaGrange, Georgia. And then I landed in Atlanta by seventh grade, graduated high school, and then moved back to Columbus for college. So I'm like all over the South, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. You went from, right, so so relatively though, mostly, uh, especially in your younger years, rural places, you go from that to being named by New York Magazine one of the top 100 most influential drag queens in America, right? In America, fabulous, by the way, you look marvelous. Yeah. I'm just telling you, darling, yeah. you look marvelous. So this is what yeah. I'm saying though, is that, this is tremendous to me. Your mom owned a club, a drag queen club, right? In Columbus? Yes. yes, my mom owned a gay bar in Columbus, Georgia that specialized in drag performances called Sensations. Um, <laughs> you and, chose your mother, didn't you? Right before you got in the womb. You're like, right? you, you're my mom. Maybe I'm a designer baby. Maybe I was one of those designer <laughs> babies. She was like, I want to sprinkle a gay little drag. <laughs> Maybe I was the perfect design. But 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 it's so interesting to me that you're born into this and it's just normal. It's like, this is your life and it's how it should be. And it's fabulous. And yet, what are the odds? Yeah, well, you know, I ended up having, I have a really supportive mom. Um, and I do believe that having a really supportive parent is a big part of what can make uh, your a child flourish. Like when you feel like you have the support of your parents behind you, it really can help you flourish. Sometimes, um, uh, naively, <laughs> I, I thought I've had a little more confidence than I should have had. Um, but because first, my mom first. believed me, I was like, "Well, if, well, if Martha Caldwell thinks I can do it, then <laughs> obviously it must be true." Why would, why would Martha say that if it wasn't true? You know. Listen, you've gone from nothing to a Birkin van, right? Yes, a Birkin van, which costs way more than a Birkin bag, probably. <laughs> By the way, talk to my sister about this. She is the Birkin queen. By the way, you and Bryn, you have to talk. She's got probably 400 Birkin bags. She's like on well, her maze top I list. I actually don't, I don't have very many nice bags. Most of my bags are like I made to myself. I do have like a custom one of a kind bag from Coach that is one of, I have the only one in the world. So that I do have, which is Have we seen really this exciting. one yet? I can show it, to yeah, show it to us. Grab it out of my purse collection. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're um, gonna have to get you and Brinny uh, connected on the Hermes front. I never say it right. Yeah, Am I saying it right? Herm, it's Hermes. <laughs> Hermes. You see, I never say it right. This is my one of a kind coach clutch. It's the only one in the world. I'm very proud of it. It's gorgeous. Look at those colors. Thank they you. They did that for you. They made that for you. It's yeah, because I was part of their. Uh, I was part of their holiday campaign this last year. And um, they wanted a drag, a Bob the Drag Queen size bag, so they took their standard bag <laughs> and they made it into a long clutch just for me. So this is one of my pride, my prides. Enjoy my little coach tag and everything. I'm the only one in the world. And it's funny, Scott Porch, our producer, just said your mother is technically your drag mother. Yeah, she is. There it is. My mom is my drag mom. <laughs> yep, that is. Period. End of discussion. So P period. <laughs> is that how I sound? Period. I 
But that's, that's what that's what the kids say. It's the new thing the kids they say period with a T at the end. I'm really hip. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm really hip. So I, I do know it. I, I do. And <laughs> and let me tell, let's talk a little about we're here because this is a very, very important show. Now you're whole persona is based in humor. So, you know, but you, you're an activist and you take on so many serious things. Now for someone like me watching this show, it, it could not be more important, but for what you're doing, it's, it's one of the braver things I've seen in a long time, going to these small towns. How do you pick Gettysburg? How do you pick these places? And is there a lot of prep going into the town before you get there? Well, I mean, I wish I could say that me, Shangela and Eureka were sitting down, you know, the map and thumbtacks, picking out where we're gonna go. I and mean, we do have a little bit of input. We are we are uh, consulting, producing the show, but most of our consulting is referred reference to drag, hiring the artistic crew, or you know, referencing the, giving reference to the artistic crew. Um, but there's an amazing casting department that does, um, you know, picks out all of the the drag daughters that we work with. Yes. And there's an amazing uh, place that, that does scouting for locations. Yeah, because some of the things that you're doing there and bringing families together and helping people realize, I mean, these are people that uh, some of these towns are are. I mean, they are stuck in time. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely been stuff that would not, let's just say, like the, the things that happened in Branson would not happen to me in New York City. I mean, I've been out in drag in New York City for 12 years now, and I was in out in drag in Branson for one day, and I got the cops called on me three times. So that was definitely a different experience than I've had here in the big city of New York. I mean, and this is why what you're doing with HBO and the show we're here is so important. I mean, was this something that you had? How did the show come about? Do you mind telling me the inception of this? So, okay. So the, the show itself came about when um, Steve Bourne and Johnny Ingram, who are the creators of the show and the executive producers of the show, were out at lunch with like Ross Matthews. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we have an idea for this show. And then of course, a year later, we're here we are. And <laughs> I got connected with the show when uh, Steve Warren called me i was like i was like on, i was in the airport leaving a cruise headed back to new york city and i got a call from a number i didn't recognize but i always answer the phone even if i don't recognize the number i always say you should answer the phone because you never know if it's an emergency or whatever so i answered huh. and i was like how did you get my phone number and he would not tell <laughs> me who gave him my number he would to this day he still won't tell me who gave him my oh this is a big trash back in the back corner back here where it's a bad oh, i didn't even back. notice I that now i noticed i don't it. i don't want that showing <laughs> Um, too late. And then, so anyway, I got uh, the call from him, and then they invited me out to dinner and explained the show to me. And then I was like, you know what, I'm in. So that's how this happens. And then it's already set that they want to do this. They want you guys to go to these small towns and show people, you know, basically what's up. Help teach people. Help people come into this new century, maybe. Well, a lot of it is also just highlighting the things that are already in the towns, like. As you know, the show is a lot of queer people. It's not just us like going in town and turning straight right. guys into drag queens. That's not that's not what the show's about. Not even close. But we get to go in there and talk to a lot of queer people, trans people, people of color, indigenous people, indigenous queers, um, and we amplify their voices. So it's not like these ideas aren't already in the town. We're just amplifying the the choir voices that are already there. Oh yeah, there's that one mother. I, it might have been in the pilot where where she said she told her daughter when her daughter Erica. told her, yeah, where that she was gonna like Satan, like she's going to hell and she wouldn't talk to her. Don't touch yeah. me. I mean, that was and then you know to see her feel sorry and apologize and uh, this is why it's important. Yeah, it's also important for a lot of parents to see what that does to your child. Like that girl was really hurting. Like she was really hurting that right. that that young girl, uh, Erica's daughter. And also, Erica's, Erica was hurting herself. The mom was hurting. So people can see what happens when you lose your child to ignorance and what can happen when, um, what, how what effect that has on your kid. Like, I just really felt bad for that, that girl. Like, seeing her, Me too. she was going through it. Yeah, she was suicidal and all because she wasn't accepted. And, and the difference when you open up to love is tremendous. And, and you do see this coming through and it doesn't feel like yeah. just you know normal sort of tv language fair it feels like you're really connecting with people no it's real we are really genuinely yeah. like for realsy it's, it's, it's like there's no script there's no us like you know flim flamming everything you see is really i mean we they they film so much because it takes a while to get to know people so each episode is actually about like nine to ten days that we wow. film each episode so it's not just us like showing up and then three days leaving. We actually get to like talk to people and connect with them and have a lot of, I mean, uh, Eureka even went to her custody hearing with Erica. It was like crazy. Like we really get, you know, 
Amazing. Yeah, well, this is this is fantastic. And then RuPaul, the drag show. Let's just talk about that. What, what is this controversy going on? Like, why are people starting nonsense about nothing, right? Like, what was this controversy what? about you being on again? Who cares? Like, what is that nonsense? Oh, that. Yeah, well, going back a little, but I, it bothered me a little. Why are people, you know, messing with stuff? It's like, this is working. Why are you messing with it? Well, a lot of people, so here's the issue. There have been about 150 something drag queens that are both drag race. And a lot of people are like, well, we want opportunity spread amongst all the queens. So they want, they're, they're wondering why I was brought back instead of like, I don't know, Elisa Summers from season four, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess it's because maybe it's because I, I work more in the industry. I work at World Wonder every once in a while. They're familiar with me. I stayed in contact. It's a lot of different things, you know, um, and fans were hoping to see more of, but also the truth is I actually hadn't been back. I had been on Drag Race since my season. Like I haven't done any of those like right. work, you know, Queens come back and do like work way, work room, walkthroughs. Yes. Like hey, I've never done, I've never done any of that stuff. I haven't been on Drag Race since I was on Logo. Yeah, you're so busy doing other stuff. In, yeah, I was just happy to be back in the workroom. Um, but people were kind of upset. And then other people were coming in the comments saying there was like a race component to it because Alyssa had also been on multiple episodes and no one was, people weren't saying like, why is Alyssa back? But people were like complaining about, anyway, we, me and Peppermint did a whole video about it. It's on my YouTube page. It's so just called We Finally Discuss. It's called We Finally Discuss Racism in the Fandom. So go check it out on my YouTube page. It's a really great conversation, about an hour long. If you have an hour. Everyone's got an hour right now, Bob. I promise you. I know, right, honey? <laughs> Everyone has an hour. By the way, this is what's interesting, too, with RuPaul. Your main thing, and I think what a lot of people talk about, you are a comedian. You're, you're funny as yes. hell, but, but you oh, really you. made sure you're focusing on that and only that. And was that a hard thing to kind of stay the line with? Because it really is a part of how you built your brand. But it seems like you had some opposition on it going you know, forward with it in the beginning. Well, you mean in terms of on, on, on the show, RuPaul's Drag Race, or on we're here, yeah. or just in my career in general? Well, I, I think it's both, really. I think the, you know, the show and the, is a microcosm of the rest of it. You know, here you are, you're doing your comedy, you come to New York, you know, you're, you're going up against it, and then you start with, what, Kitten with the Whip, and you start going into drag and yeah. saying, let's see this. So I moved to New York City to be a stand-up comedian and actor, and when I got here, um, I discovered drag. So I decided to do stand-up and drag on the same night for the first time ever. Um, and wow. which worked out pretty well. And then people thought I was really funny. So I kept coming back to the clubs. I quickly, quickly got accepted over to Caroline's Comedy Club, which is this pretty big club in Times Square. Um, and it really felt nice. But then I started working more in the gay bars because they paid more, quite frankly. And I was trying to be a full-time performer. Um, so I started building my comedy chops through that. When I got over Paul's Drag Race, it was important for me to, you know, a, a hunker down on that because it really was my bread and butter in the city for so long. So I got on Drag Race. I was like, I'm just also just a naturally funny person. Um, so for yes. me, it's easy to like, you know, lean into humor. It's the most easily accessible, uh, like connection for me. And here we sit. You know, so obviously yeah. it's been working. But you know, moving aside from you, and I, I also I, I, I encourage you all to go check out my two comedy specials. I have one called uh, Suspiciously Large Woman, available on Amazon Prime. And if you go to iTunes, I have one called Bob Live at Caroline's, uh, which is my better one, quite frankly. Go check out the, the later one. <laughs> okay, Bob Live at Caroline's. You can get it on iTunes. Yes. Now, so, mm-hmm. but, but moving away from comedy for a second, you're a serious actor. I mean, you did Angels in America at what, Berkeley Rep? Berkeley Rep, yeah. The Tony Award-winning theater, Berkeley Rep. I got reached wow. out to by by uh, Tony Kushner. You know, Pulitzer Prize winner Tony a Kushner. Little, yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah right. Small guy. He, he went to Jeez. my website and was like, I really want... Bob to be in, he like literally went to my website. Oh, Tony handpicked like, you? Yeah, Tony Kushner went to my website and like typed in like wow. book the drag. I have a link that says book the drag queen. Um, and he clicked <laughs> book the drag queen and was like, will you audition for my play? So I sent in an audition tape and the truth is I hadn't done any serious acting since college. So it had been about 10 years, almost a decade since I had actually done acting because I went to school for it. I did a couple of films here and there. I was in a couple of movies and TV shows. Um, I was in like High Maintenance and Rough Night and uh, Cherry Pop and, you know, uh, Tales of the City, stuff like that. Um, but I hadn't done like any, in, in Angels in America, it's like an eight hour play. It's pretty intense. Serious. I mean, it's like, you know, boot kit, you, that's it. I mean, if you do a play, you might as well just go do Equus after that. It's a, yeah. it's a real It's eight run. shows a week. It's wild. Yeah. 
So you did that. So, so you've really rounded out this entire performance. So, so now we're here, right? Is it coming back second season? Do we know what's going on? I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I, the, the, the higher ups at HBO haven't told me yet, but I mean, fingers crossed, toes crossed, legs crossed, you know? I, I say it is. That's all I'm saying. Now let's talk oh, about sibling rivalry. Because this thing, I, yes. I remember listening to the early episodes. Starburns like, Audio. Starburns <laughs> Audio presents sibling rivalry. Yeah, yeah microphone wait for my microphone, Bob. Starburns. <laughs> and, by the way, you're definitely getting one, I'm telling you. But I remember listening to, like, in 2018, when you started, you were, like, doing all, I remember you are doing all the editing yourself. You still doing all the editing, by the way? Microphones in the mail. <laughs> Microphones in the mail. Okay, um, I, I don't do my editing anymore. No, so it started when I was in Angels in America at Berkeley Rep, actually. Uh, me and my best friend, Monet, we have these long discussions where we would just argue about ridiculously, ridiculous things, serious things, important things. We'd argue about, we'd talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, I thought, we should have a podcast. People would want to hear this. So we, I, she would send me the audio. I would edit it myself, like backstage at the theater. Um, and then after maybe like a year and a half of doing that, Starburns got a hold of us. So now the lovely Land over at Starburns Audio does our editing for us. Thank you, Land. Shout Land. out, Land. By the way, Land yeah. is just, I mean, what a the guy is just, he's fantastic. Yeah. Really, really remarkable. And he sees it. You know, he sees it even if like the talent may not, he's like, I see the show here. I get this, yeah. whatever this is. And then, but you already had your show. So it was like already popping and the land comes in and you know, now it's next level. It makes it even, yeah, it's true. He really, and we also have uh, our Patreon manager. If you want to support Sibling Wherever, go to siblingwherever.com slash support. Um, go to our Patreon. But um, my partner, Jacob, manages our Patreon, which has really helped us a lot because we were very irregular for a very long time, releasing one episode every couple of months. And then um, my partner got a hold of us and was like, let's clean things up here. So you like you like Patreon. Man. I started on Patreon, you know, before Starburns got me. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I was under a different podcast. But you, you like having that as a component to your I really love it uh, because, you know, you don't want your podcast to be like Joe Rogan, 19 hours long. You ever listen to a Joe Rogan podcast, like 15 hours? Like, I'm like, who has the time? Whose commute is that long? Oh. To a lot of people, apparently. But... I mean, everyone. He has the most popular podcast outside of right. this American life. But I'm just like, how is your podcast three hours long? That's the point. Um, so we will take <laughs> all of our point. extra stuff that we have to say and we'll put it on our Patreon. Or sometimes um, I've been rewatching my season of Drag Race with my Patreons on like a big Zoom call. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, which has been really exciting. And, and you know, we watch movies together. It's like, it, it really is a, a really interesting, super supportive community uh, of people who really want us, really want to support you. Like, they want to support. Um, and as They're opposed, choosing to, to give you their money. <laughs> Yes, and sometimes you go on YouTube and post it out there, and someone stumbles across it for free, and is like, "Stupid!" Um, not, you know, I'm like, "All right, uh, this, this, I don't need." No, problem. not dealing with this. Yeah. Okay, so you like the Patreon component now? Now, tell me about your most recent episodes. Have you been doing them? I know you're doing quarantine version, right? Yes, we've been doing them quarantined. Actually, the next one we're releasing, we actually filmed before we we not filmed, we recorded before the quarantine. So we had to make a little uh, announcement, like, hey, guys, the stuff we're saying in here sounds like we're not quarantining, but I swear. Because Monet's like, I'm overseas in, 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 in New Zealand. <laughs> and Monet's like, what? just so you know, we're not. I'm not in New Zealand. I'm, I'm in Washington. We're both, she's in Hamilton Heights. I'm in Washington Heights. We are not out and about. Um, but the quarantine has definitely helped us really be able to crank out a lot of content. Like, we have... So much time. <laughs> I have so much time on my hands. Yeah. I mean, man. look, I have like facial hair. Look at this. What is, oh, you're, you're is really, she? it's what's happening. Who is, what's, who is Bob, she? what's going on, man? What's know, happening? Right? What is happening? <laughs> All right. Wait. So you're doing the quarantine editions, but you're also doing your regular episodes as well. So you're kind of doubling. Yeah. So, I mean, we've just been able to crank out more because of quarantine. And then we're also, I'm doing, we do, I have a little side podcast called Only Child. Mm-hmm. which is where I do things like I interview, like I interviewed a nurse about what it's like to be a, a COVID nurse. I interviewed a couple of drag queens about the effects of drag on like uh, drag queens in the community. Um, I do, so I have like, it's allowed us to create extra content for my YouTube page and for our Patreon. So what we're still viewers, also doing our regular weekly stuff too. The regular weekly stuff on uh, something mm-hmm. rivalry. Uh, yes. One of our viewers actually asked a good question, which was uh, what was the first time you were in drag? When was the first time you dressed in drag? Do you recall? 
What I mean, like the first time I like played with gender and makeup was probably in college during a a, a makeup class. I had long. I used to have long hair. I mean, I, I can't grow hair now. But when I was, you know, in my early twenties, I had long dreadlocks down to here, actually. Wow. Um, and I would like tie them up, and I did this like it was horrible makeup. But uh, my first time like in drag, drag, like drag, mm-hmm. was at the New York Comedy Club in two thousand nine. It was like late. It was early October or early November. It was like November third, two thousand nine, I think. I mean, that's not a small feat. I mean, what's your support system walking into that? Because you said you combined your first time at stand-up with your first time in true drag? Yeah. So my roommate at the time, her name was Michelle Alexandra. She did my makeup, and it was atrocious. And I was a waiter (laughs) at this restaurant called the Jekyll and High Club in Midtown, Manhattan. Like one of those tourist trap restaurants. I was a waiter there. Mm -hmm. So I just harassed all of my uh, coworkers, like, please come see me. Please, please, please come. I'm trying to be a comedian because all of us were actors and we were all supporting each other um and i've never been shy about asking people to come support me while i you know tell jokes or whatever the hell i'm doing at the time um and people have been not shy about saying they want to support so i was like hey come see me i'm doing a gig down at um near comedy club and they all came down i was able to get like 23 people in there it was crazy but even on a deeper level, I would say what I'd like to know is is not just the support of people coming to the show, but we're talking 2009. It's not, and we've come a long way, but you know, we, it's only so far. 2009, we were 300 years behind where we are now. You're yeah. alone in drag, going up on stage. You know, where is this confidence? Where is this support? Where, you know, because this is a big battle you're fighting. Yeah, I I think when I I. I don't want to misquote the years, but I'm pretty sure when I first did drag, Bush was still president. I'm pretty sure when I moved here, Bush was still president. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, how was it? I mean, I was a little bit, sorry, I live in New York City. So it was very loud. <laughs> I was, um, I mean, I was a little bit nervous. I took the train and I took a car down, which I could not afford at the time, but I was too afraid to get on the train like that because interesting. now I'm so used to being outdoors in drag. I just like, it's like whatever. Like me and my friend, I live in the Heights. I just walked to the river the other day to take a picture in full drag. And the neighborhood was like, hey, it's that drag queen who lives. It's that drag queen from our neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but back then, it was really nerve wracking. Um, but I was able to, I quickly built the community of other drag queens, like uh, from right. going to the clubs and from doing different shows. Then you meet other queens and you kind of just run together in these big drag queen packs, take the train together, or you share a car together to cut down on costs. Um, and it was basically from building a community that I was able to build a sense of confidence and not be, you know, nervous, basically, to be out in public doing my work. Yeah, you know, I used to run a restaurant in Manhattan uh, in the lean days uh, called The Saloon across from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lincoln Lincoln Center. Work. Yeah, it was, uh, it was called The Saloon. Yeah, I, ra- I was a manager there. And it was like mm-hmm. the waiters roller skated. Work. Yeah, this is, is this wild. was like they they is an older place, right? And and we had a you know a very diverse uh, staff, and one of the guys is a black male who's gay, and he was a drag queen. But during the day, he's a big guy, right? And he's on his skates, Same. and he's right, 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 <laughs> big guy. But this is what people forget. You want to yell at drag queens, and I remember Michael going, "Oh yeah, hey, they forget. I'm a guy. I'll fucking kill you." You know, like you I will beat their your ass. Name? Do you remember their drag name? I don't. His name is Michael Benjamin. He's the nicest guy. I love this guy, Michael Benjamin. He's like the one person at the saloon who stood out for me out of everyone. Well, you know, I will say this. I was talking about um, this to my friends and my partner the other day. And um, are we, are we, can we say whatever we want on this podcast? Whatever you talk? want, please. So I was talking to my friends and I was like, when's the last time you got called a faggot on the streets? And I realized that, like, for me, it's been like <sighs> over 12 years. Um, but then, but then my one of my That's friends great. was like, "Oh, I get called that like once a month." I was like, "Once a month?" But then I realized I'm six foot two and I'm like two hundred and twenty huh. pounds. So most people look at me, they weigh the options, they say to themselves, <laughs> "If things get weird, can I take this guy? Uh, is it worth it? What if this guy can beat me up?" Uh, I don't. Yeah, how don't manly wanna, you feel now, buddy? I don't want to go there, but. Right. Um, but with maybe someone more frail, they might be like, oh, I could do this, whatever. So I think about that a lot. And I, was, and I was, that just really occurred to me that I was like, well, I guess that's the, I thought I was in my head, I was like, times have changed. But I was like, you know, one of the, the, um, 
the benefits to being my size that people kind of just like see you and just go, I'm going to yeah. pass. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'll pass. not doing that. I, I, I might yeah. be this or that, but not with you. I'll do it with the they, small they, guy. Yeah, they do, they do the cost benefit analysis and quickly decide <laughs> it's just not worth it. You know? Well, I think it's really interesting what you're saying is that for you, maybe it seems like things have changed, but how much really have they? I mean, we've moved forward, right? I, you know, things are better. Well, but that's a good question because I, so when HBO tweeted out our trailer, mm-hmm. so I live in this like really conservative, really not conservative, this really liberal uh, c- circle full of non-binary, trans, queer, people of color, all that stuff. But I forget that there are people who fully think the other way. When HBO tweeted out our trailer, mm-hmm. there were some really hateful things being said. And I was remember thinking to myself, is this just because it's Twitter or like, do people really talk like this? Like, is this really how people talk? I mean, people are like, vomit, get this off my screen, like a lot of stuff like that. And I was thinking to myself, like, is this like parody? Are these like parody accounts or is this really how people think? Yeah. What'd you find? I'm in such a bubble. I mean, like, what do you think? You do know, you think it's a parody account or do you think it like when you're out there, what, what do you think? Well, there were so many of them that it didn't seem like parody. And um, right. it seemed like they were pretty serious about what they were saying. Um, and then I also see like, you know, different, I was going to this one TikTok account today. This, this really uh, conservative lady, and she was saying, sharing some ideas, and I was like, I guess people do think that way. I just don't really know a lot of those people. I, w- I went to a Zoom wedding today with one of my college friends, um, and there were a lot of conservative people there, and I was, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot. Look, as I put my tattoo with the word <laughs> queen across my chest, like my queenie, so I, I was like, my, <laughs> I was like, my word. Um, I was dressed like I was. This actually, I was wearing this at the, at the wedding today, at the, my Zoom, uh, the Zoom wedding, which is like right. a big. I mean, it's a, it's Let's like say. a. It's not like quite a dress. That. It's like a. Um, it's like a shirt like from a, like the, the middle aged ladies department. <laughs> yeah, it's like a shirt, but it's like oh, I just saw my belly. Oh my god, but it's like from, I'm also not the pants don't match. I don't want you to think I think these pants match. I just listen. Didn't, I didn't, I'm wearing shorts. I didn't plan on standing up. Yeah, I didn't plan on standing up. <laughs> no one. I would does. normally wear black pants like slacks for this but um you know sometimes when i forget that i dress like i teach african-american studies at a community college right. you know, when you go me- out to shop and you go into a store no one's giving you any shit and that's the good news no, but not in new york you- but also not in new york city like new yorkers just kind of don't care like new yorkers just no. don't care Thank they God. just are so focused on their own thing they just don't have time to worry about what that people look at me like is, is he gay is he a witch is he vegan and i'm like yes all of the above but that is why we're here is so important at this time because as far as everyone thinks we've come we really have not and you know this is why we need a second season of this show and more shows like it to make sure that people understand that this is just a fluid world that we live in right i mean True. what steps yeah, can we I mean, take you know, I think that for me, I, growing up in the South, I had a lot of problematic views. I didn't realize I had until I got here. Like, I, I got to New York City, and I was introduced to the idea that the things that I was thinking were fully harmful. Um, but once I was immersed in a culture full of people who were different than me or people who maybe actually were like me, but I didn't even know I was like them, I was able to tell myself, oh, my goodness, what I thought was true wasn't like the things I thought about those people ended up not being true at all and then I found out that I am like some of those people like I remember the first time a friend of mine introduced me the idea that um that there was this thing as non-binary and that was that blew my mind it blew my mind kind of still blows my mind yeah, really? it, 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 it knocked me back, but the more I've been around it, the more I was like, you know, actually, it makes sense, and I identify as non-binary when you, when I think about it on a, on a deep level, um, but back then, I was like, no, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't vibe, that doesn't work. Can I ask you something, about? Can you explain for our listeners and viewers that don't know what non-binary means? So, non-binary means, like, you basically don't identify as a male or a female or a man or a woman. Sometimes you, you just, you know, navigate somewhere between um, and at first, it didn't make sense to me. But then I started realizing the more I dress up 
and I realized that Bob the Drag Queen isn't really a character. There's no character that is Bob the Drag Queen. I mean, hmm. you know, the clothes, my costumes are basically my work uniform, and the name is a nickname. If you watch the show, I don't I don't put on a different character. I don't start talking funny. I don't heighten my voice. I don't put on a southern accent. <laughs> I just um, you know, I'm just wearing different clothes and going by a different name. Um, and that is a component to my personality and to who I am. Um, and the idea of gender as a construct versus gender as a definitive is a lot more, makes a lot more sense when you think about it. I mean, and the idea of how you look at pronouns, like I remember, you know, when I lived in Georgia, I may have said to myself, yeah. if you are born with, you know, if you were assigned male at birth, then you're just he. But then I realized that we actually grant so much leniency on pronouns to other things in life. Um, this is very that true. Don't have that, that, that don't have any don't even birth. have the importance, right? For example, you'll call everyone would call the Statue of Liberty um, a, a woman, like she's right. the Statue of Liberty, but it's it's actually not a, a she. It's just a big chunk of you know co copper yeah. that is uh, turned green at this point. Um, <laughs> is that what it is? Is we, it copper? You see, I just learned something. It's copper, yeah. It's from <laughs> from the French, a gift from the French came in chunks actually. Um, <laughs> but um, we would look at it like that. Oh, or but we don't give that same leniency to people, you know. Or I yeah. remember when Caitlyn Jenner transitioned, and people were like, "I could, I am not calling that person Caitlyn." And I that. was like, "I'm intrigued that you will call a rapper Walk a Flock of Flame, like you'll call Eminem Eminem, but you won't call Caitlyn Jenner Caitlyn Jenner." Little like Pete. we all like everyone has <laughs> just agreed that Dr. Dre is a doctor. We've all agreed that Dr. Dre is a doctor, but you won't, and you'll call him doctor in the street, Dr. Dre, but you're not willing to acknowledge that um, that a trans woman is a woman. I, that, that blew my mind. Yeah, and that how is how it's been. And the funny thing is, if you go back in history, it, it wasn't how it was. We've adapted this only through the last, yeah. you know, three, four hundred years. This is not mm -hmm. ever how history was. History was always non-binary and fluid and in motion. This was never yeah. a thing. So it's it's surprising to me, these, you know, sort of, I, I want to say puritanical, but, you know, how we got here, I don't know. What I do know is that it's you and people in your circle that are going to help change things. So what is next? Oh, you are. You're already doing it. I mean, honestly, if you, everyone out there, if you haven't watched We're Here, it is a very important show to watch. doesn't matter. Oh, thank you. Race, creed, color, gender has no bearing. It's important for humanity. So my friend who was going, who, uh, who my college friend who, who, um, who, who I went to his wedding today, I hadn't spoken to him in, I mean, legit probably 16 years. And he called me up and was like, I watched your show. He's in the Air Force and he's pretty butch and straight. He was like, I watched the show today and it was really amazing. Like, I can't get over how great the show was. And I was thinking to myself, like, I can't believe my show is reaching, like, it is. you know, people in the Air Force, you know, or whatever. I thought it'd just be people like me, but like, it really works for, it is an important show. It's about the human experience. It's important for so many people. I think that what's next for us to, to progress as a yes. world, not just a nation, but as a world, is like something my mom said to me years ago, it was something I, she said, and I didn't know the answer. And I said, I don't know. And I was so, I was so like, I was like, well, I don't know. And she said, don't be so proud to be ignorant. Don't be so proud. I was proud of it. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and she was like, you're really proud of that. That just really got I love you your going. Mom. <laughs> you were so proud of that. Like, don't be so proud of your ignorance. You know what I mean? Um, and don't yeah. be afraid of knowledge. I mean, knowledge is power and, um, and power is uh, liberating. And I'll even go a step further. I'll say that I believe the admittance of ignorance in a sincere, humble way is knowledge itself. Because it shows the ability to learn and want to learn. Teach me. It's really hard to it. Like saying you're wrong or saying you're ignorant or saying you don't know, it frightens people. Because yeah. maybe it's some, some sort of display of weakness. I mean, we also see it in our politics. We have politicians who will not ever say they're wrong. They'll never say it. Yeah, I have friends who say I was wrong. <laughs> you know, believe it. me. I said, I have friends who do it. They're never wrong. Yeah, but we, when never. we see the higher up, when we see the president and people who are higher ups who will never say they're wrong, and then people are like applauding them for never acknowledging their wrongdoings, then no matter how, no matter how wrong you're, do you know who Roy Cohn, the lawyer is? Yeah, of course. He, he, uh, if, so he, he's dead years and years ago. He died from, uh, from AIDS in, in like the 90s. But um, 
you know, he was one of those people who, who was like, no matter how wrong you are, never admit you're wrong, attack people and just claim victory. Um, yep. which might, which might like help you progress technically, but how is it progressing the people around you? Yeah. Humanity. How is it? It's not progressing humanity at all. It, it really is something where we have to learn. And that's even while I'll stop. And even though I might know an answer, I, I want you to tell anyone who's listening, what is this? What is that? Let people at least get a glean inside what's happening because this is the future. This is it. This is where we are and nothing that is changing. Is Right. And, and, and it's not going to change. It's only going to progress. So we can either progress with it or not. So are you going now? now what's happening quarantine wise? Are you, you seem like you're pretty sane about all this. I got to say, you do, you seem like you're doing very well, Bob. Well, I'm very lucky. I'm not quarantining alone. I live with my partner um, here lucky. in Washington Heights. And we, and we, and also he's a photographer and we, we take photos, we do videos. I've also been doing a lot of web content. I have a, I host a show called The Pit Stop, which has reviews of RuPaul's Drag Race. So I've been doing that on a weekly basis. I've been releasing uh, Sibling Rivalry. And also since um, the CDC has allowed us to have people over, I've had like two or three friends over every once in a while um, nice. to, to alleviate, you know, the... And let off the steam. To, actually, it's really a break for Jacob to not have to be around me so much because <laughs> I am... If you listen to Sibling Rivalry, you'll know that I am... Difficult. I'm a salty bitch. I am very difficult. That's the best. <laughs> I mean, Bob, thank you so much for being on that note. Like, first of all, where can we find you across social media? Tell us. Oh, um, the best place to find me is go to bobadragqueen.com. All of my socials are there. And if you just Google Bob the Drag Queen, my Instagram stuff, my Twitter pop stuff, I am out here, you know, always social media ing. So go to bobadragqueen.com <laughs> and everything is right there. And check awesome. out Sibling Rivalry on Starburns Audio. It is amazing. And watch mm -hmm. We're Here on HBO. Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. And we'll have microphones coming. <laughs> we'll create a special coach uh, edition microphone. Um, I'm exactly. You have to live up to it. I want a one-of-a-kind <laughs> microphone. Uh, it's all fun audio. now. I'm the one in trouble after this, Bob. Uh, Trust we're, me. We're all over it. And if you don't mind, we'll let you go. But we're going we're gonna to close out this segment. We're going to play your... Uh, your uh yeah or here we are uh, sorry <laughs> put it on and also yep. last note i would like for yes. land to personally hand deliver my microphone you got it i'm on it i'm working sorry, on it land, that, land. that part i'll let him know my name's paul that's between you <laughs> thank you so much for being here bob thank this you so awesome. much bob this was awesome my really pleasure. appreciate my you pleasure. and everything you do we playing yeah let's watch yeah, it let's do it Hi, Hi, my name is Bob the Drag Queen, and this, this is, is Serving, serving Lyrics. So the opening look for this show was very inspired by Duck Dynasty. So it was like camouflage. I had a purse that was also a bow and arrow. Girl, we went over the top. And not to mention, I was wearing waders. I was wearing these boots, and I did not clean them. So this is authentic <laughs> Louisiana mud on my boots. And these are probably maybe five inches I, I stay a big lady. You're like towering over I'm, me. I'm 5'5 five five without the heels. Okay, so we yeah. would be like. No, I'm not 5'5. Five five. <laughs> then I have an entire mallard sitting on my head. The design team actually took this decoy and they re feathered the wings. She has a full pedicure. She's going off, honey. And then when you turn around, you see that the mallard had a moment on the back of my garment. <laughs> It's the concept it's of this show, me and Stacey have this idea like a superhero kind of storyline because he does consider himself an ally. And also he was a firefighter and I was like, that's a real life hero. So we decided to turn that into him being a visual representation of a hero. The outfits were very close to the body, gauntlets, gloves, the stirrups were like knee pads, long boots with a six inch heel. So I am six foot two and the hair was probably another <laughs> five inches. The very top of my head was about seven feet, two inches off the ground. Bring it on Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Amazing. Amazing, and rightly so. Couldn't happen to a better person. So good, well, thank this. you. I love it, and I think it's important before you go, I know we keep telling you you can go, but before you go, what you're doing, Jason, hang on for a second with this, with the with the outfits, it's so interesting because you're, you're, you're making all these shows in 
um, what's the word I'm looking for, Jason? It's, it's connecting to what's happening in the town. You're doing it oh, like yes. there, right? It's so, yes, there's an emotionality also, to it. We do get some of the materials from outside of town. We mail them in or bring them with us, but everything mm-hmm. is made. I mean, I'm sitting right here with all of my costumes. They're, I mean, they're literally, I'm looking at them. They're right there. Here's my headpiece from, um, from, <laughs> from, ah, uh, that's so cool. <laughs> from Branson. <laughs> Uh, it's actually magnetized, and I would like stick it to. It was like I put the magnet <laughs> under my hair, under the wig, and then I just slap it Fashion onto my secrets. head. So all that. of my stuff is like here in my basement, but we make them all right there on in the town. It is like wow. when we say these shows are one of a kind and like top tier drag, Mama. We're not joking around. This is like shows that will happen again. It's one time. It only happens once. It'll never happen again. And the people who are working on it are like, like my designer, his name is Domino Couture. He makes outfits for Beyonce, RuPaul. Um, like, um, he's like, top yeah, it's formidable. You, you see it. it the, the production designer would not be at all shocked if there's some awards in this, in this show coming up. So again, they deserve it. They that, fucking deserve everyone it. Everyone does. Bob, thank you. Everyone at HBO, thanks for putting it on the air and doing what you do. And uh, okay. Jason Smith, anything else? Oh, thank you. All I was going to say, I also I am also very bald and I want that <laughs> the magnet and the, the, the duck on it. I'd rock that every day. I would wear a duck wig every single fantastic. Day. Look at all these <laughs> options you can have. I'm in. Listen, I'm once in. I get that microphone, I'll mail you one of these wigs. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> Land yeah. will be delivering that. Sorry. Right. <laughs> and I I'm gonna say this. I want Land to come back after he With drops off that microphone and hand deliver me that wig. <laughs> Land is now a courier. (laughs) (laughs) This is good stuff. I like this. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Y'all be safe. Thank you so much. much. Thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, drag queen. Yes. Uh, Again, another one. We have a few minutes so we can talk about stuff, but. Yeah. What a great drag queen. Yeah. What a great person. And and overall, (laughs) rock the duck wigs. Yes, Lord. And overall, overall, Right, it's important, and I really I can't stress that enough. This is an important show. It seems like it might be light, or it's like, oh, it's too gay for me. No, it's important. Watch it. You're gonna learn a bunch of stuff. And yeah. you know what? It's fun. And, and, you know, and, and yeah, production value is awesome. Well, well, here's the truth, and I, you know, there's some shows do it better than others. Some lean too heavy on the comedy and loses that piece. But like, right. learning through comedy, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Learning about how we deal with stuff, you know. Yes. There's a there's a component of all the Ali G and Borat stuff that uh you know that he used to do that was very much very funny but it taught you stuff about people. This is not that kind of show where they're going in to try and sabotage people by <laughs> me. But teaching and educating through comedy, I think, is uh, a good thing and 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 important. One of the best. I I really believe you know obviously I run a comedy podcast network and I like base my life around the <laughs> idea that comedy is uh, important. But I I really believe it is. It, it, I think it, it absolutely white blood cell count. There's nothing. I have so many comedy shows on tap, you know, in the DVR, just because if I feel this much, I'm like comedy. Let me watch something. Turn on Modern Family, turn on Family Guy, whatever it is, Big Bang. Something make me laugh. I'm just better off. Okay. Speaking of that, let's take a moment and talk about, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I, again, you know, I don't read anything, so I don't know what reviews are, what people are saying, but this new episode of Mythic Quest. Dude. It was really, really, really funny and well-made. And like, this is the example like we talked about. Send people real fucking microphones and camera and get to teach them a little bit. And you can really make some great stuff. The toilet paper, like the chip thing. Who the fuck came up with that? If you have not seen this show, first of all, they do a thing where like Jason and I are here. Like, so if I want to feed Jason like a chip, I'm like, Jason, here's a chip. And then gunk. And then you come with the chip at the other end. Right. Exactly. So they do this thing. What is it? Like 30 of them, 25 of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They do this. How would you describe it? I don't know. Like kind of like a serpentine kind of thing. Right. Like, Yeah. yeah. Like dominoes meet serpentine, like yeah. the crazy adventure where the ball rolls down a thing and then it hits another thing. And then it's, it's a Rube Goldberg kind of thing, right? That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And then by the very end, it's F. Murray Abraham is the last one. And it's like, huzzah. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, he, he says did. huzzah. Oh, yeah. He did. I, 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 I noticed. I'm bringing it back. It's so funny. Not Tony McNamara, so me. Funny. That is so I'm bringing funny. it back. Huzzah. huzzah. Okay. First of all, not first of all, because we've been talking. 
didn't I tell you to catch me on that? I'm trying to remove that from my vernacular, <laughs> first of all. Okay. The thing with Poppy and her breakdown and, and Rob McIntyre walking, the funniest moment is like, he's walking in the street and he's talking to Poppy and he's like, oh. yo, bro, you better cross the street or I'm going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> and the guy goes, he goes, okay, that didn't work out that well. That guy's really big. I'm crossing <laughs> the street. <laughs> no, I feel that. Well, and I don't ever want to kick anybody's ass, but I'm no, not. But, it's so relatable and funny. And this is another example of people that yes. are actually mining comedy out of this time period. Yeah, that show, it made me cry. I have to say, I, I, I teared up when he, you know, I, we don't do spoilers. You know, he, when he shows up and he's at pot and they hug and they just hug. There's nothing sexual about it. There's nothing weird about it. It's just two human beings connecting. And it, it, it really, I didn't realize it was just one episode. So oh. I was like, oh, they're doing a whole season like this. Uh, uh, and then after the first episode or the only episode ended, I was like, what, what the, why is it? That's not cool. And then I think I went into a little depression after yeah, that. Well, it's, it's, it's like, one of those tough things like, you know, some of these shows are doing these like little one-offs and it's like, oh, please just come back. I miss you so much. Yes, I miss you I so miss much. You. I do. I do. And I'm like watching that. I'm like, I want people. And this is why TV messes us up, man. It messes up failure. Because I'm looking at that. I'm like, I want people who care about me like that. I want that. Yeah. Show me the working situation that actually is like that. Not happening. Which is, again, comedy. You know, thank God. I cannot recommend this. If you haven't watched Mythic Quest, first of all, yeah. Mythic Quest. I don't know what you did. Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet, which is such a way longer name, and I think that's part of the fun of it because it's like a uh, it, like the name of the video game they're all working on. It's all set. If you've never seen the show, the basics around Mythic Quest is it's set in a uh, video game studio, loosely based around the Ubisoft San Francisco office, um, and it was actually originally in pre-production with Ubisoft, and they do all the the graphics in the middle. Um, and then it was taken over by Rob McElhaney, um, and his wife, and, um, oh my God, uh, Catherine, um, hold the on. Mick. Yeah. The, from the Mick and, uh, and Megan, Megan Gans is the writer and they did an amazing job with this show. And Megan Gans, who was also on always sunny, right? Uh, Megan Gans is a writer. Yeah, no, but she was on, yeah, she, she wrote, was a yeah, writer on always sunny. sunny. Always sunny. And, uh, she's a writer on, um, obviously mythic quest and she used to write on community. And and where have we seen the actor who plays Poppy before? I Anywhere? Know. She is unbelievable. She is really good. She's really hot. I mean, she's really hot. I'm not even. That's not my type at all. But she's from I, talent. She's from Australia, right? Well, yeah, um, obviously she's from Australia. Unless if that's a fake accent, was, I'm going to marry her. She is not in anything that I've ever heard of before. She's in a sh she was in a, a show called the a Girls World, spelled A G U R L S World W R L D, um, and I think that's U R L is how they're doing it. Girls World with U R L, so it's something to do with computers. But she looks uh -huh. very young. Something called Camp, the subjects, a lot of children's stuff. So this I think is her. She's only twenty eight. I mean, so this is fantastic. kind of her, her breakout adult role. Yeah, she is unbelievable. The guy from Always Sunny who plays the homeless guy is, you know, who's now the one of the leads, uh, the blonde guy who shaved his mustache. Oh, uh, oh, what's his name? He's genius, that guy. Okay. That guy is a real craftsman. Yeah. You know, yeah, look, that guy That guy is something very, very special. Okay, so if you haven't watched Mythic Quest, first of all, I envy you because you get to go do that right now. And then you get to have the finale of Raven's Banquet. Okay, Um there was a new American Dad that came out. It was actually kind of funny. Yeah, like it was, a new it was, episode. Yeah, new episode. They started. You know this. We've talked about this. They yeah, started, yeah, yeah. but but the new episode. It, the la first of all, last week's episode. I'm a huge. Anyone who knows me knows American Dad. It's like synonymous with me. What the heck are you doing having the weekend write a script with the Starboy nonsense? I mean, honestly, he is so talented. Just sing, dude. Just write music and sing. No one wants, by the way, if he was great, it would be great. It wasn't even funny. Did he write this, the script for this last week? Last week. This okay. episode was funny again. Oh, okay. Last week, it went like off the rails. I don't know if like Seth MacFarlane has like a kind of like bro crush on the weekend, but you know, I couldn't blame him if he does. But dude, just let the people who are writing the show write the show. No, that's kind of funny. You know, I, I can't quite. I connected directly, but Pete Holmes wrote an episode of uh, the Simpsons a couple of weeks ago. Uh -huh. Best episode of the Simpsons in like two years, but, but Pete Holmes is a writer. 
Exactly. exactly. Pete Holmes is a writer. <laughs> he writes his material all day long. That's all that guy does is write his material. And by the way, wrote the show on HBO. Yeah. Crashing. He yep. writes. He created it with. Uh, did he create it with Judd, or was it just? Apatow, him? Yeah, he created it with the Apatow. Yeah. Right. So he is a exec producer, creator, writer. The Weekend is a Grammy Award winning musician. Yeah. Right. And and one of the best. Okay? Could write a three, maybe he could write a three minute episode of The Family Guy. Maybe, you know, or, or write a song, write a song for the family guy, do a voice and play Starboy. That's all wonderful. I don't, I don't, I don't. And by the way, if you're funny, I want to watch it. But to me, you kind of ruined a, a whole, and we don't get that many episodes. I know. You know, we get a very limited amount and who knows, it might be over after this. Oh, uh, well, hopefully not. Cause that's. Who can afford Seth MacFarlane? Get rid of the family guy. Keep, fam uh, keep American dad forever. I mean, you know, I would have to say if I had to choose between the two, I would go American Dad. Just Roger. Yeah, exactly. Just Roger. Roger on his Are we? We're done, aren't we? We're, we're done. done. I do this every time. All right. Another amazing, amazing episode. Jason Smith, thank you. Chris Dorfman, thank you. Everybody out there, thank you for joining. Please join us tomorrow, 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 Eastern, right here on the Starburns Audio. YouTube, yes. Facebook, Twitter, all those things. Tell a friend, tell one person. If you tell one person and that person tells one person by the end of the year, we'll have 7 billion listeners. I did the math. Let's do yes, it. We did the math. And if you have nothing to do, just go to Apple or Stitcher or Spotify. Give us five stars, write a review, say something lie. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just be, you know, yeah, help us out. Yeah. Say something nice about yourself and put yes. it in like, Hey, my name's Lori and I am awesome. Five stars. I'll, I'll like those too. I love this. Tomorrow we have David Arquette. Oh, I'm not supposed to say tomorrow. Sorry, Scott Barch. Our okay. next episode, we have David Arquette. Ladies and gentlemen, stay safe, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dwarfman, take care of each other. See you next time.